0: Alright, so let's jump into today's message. Again, binding the strong man. This is part one. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be discussing binding the strong man by recognizing the strong man in our life, by removing the strong man, and by rebuilding our life after the strong man has left. I truly believe that if we walk in obedience by repenting of our sins, not making excuses for them, and by removing the strongholds in our lives, we will be catapulted into our destiny, our God destiny as individuals and as the body of Cornerstone. And I got that word, uh, I think it was almost a week ago, and I shared it with um, Pastor Neal. And he said that is the same thing that Dave Williams spoke over and over and over again about a year ago, wasn't it? Over and over again, catapulted. Again, it's coming through obedience. Obedience. But before the church can seek to influence the world, it must place its own life under the divine spotlight and searchlight and reform itself Accordingly first individually and then corporately At the end of the message i'm going to give you the opportunity to surrender your life to god and make jesus christ the lord and savior of your life Uh, In essence turning the ownership of your life Over to god You see a lot of people confess that they're a christian So they accept jesus as savior but they don't accept him as Lord. You know, in the New Testament, the word Savior is only used 16 times. But the word Lord, make Jesus the Lord of your life, is used over 450 times. That's how important it is. See, we want to grab onto the Savior part forgive us for all this sin, you know, give us that golden ticket to heaven. But um, as far as until I die, I'll take care of the rest. But he said, you need to make me Savior and Lord of your life. Lord means I give him ownership of. He has total control of. God, if you say it, I'll do it. If you said it, I'll believe it. Total control. So at the end of the message, if you haven't been living like that, even if you've been saved 20 years, but you feel that spotlight, that searchlight by the Holy Spirit on you today that, boy, you haven't been living with Jesus as your Lord, at the end of the message, I'll give you an opportunity to recommit that. All right? God, and I lay it all down. I not only accept you as Savior of my life, but as Lord of my life, and I will live this day forward, keeping you as Lord of my life. Because that's the only way, once we identify, once we recognize the strong man in our lives, that's the only way you can have the authority to keep him out of your life. See, now, could you imagine if you had a child, and I always use the reference as our children, well, because uh, it's a good example. Anyway, could you imagine having a child that, you know, four, five, six, some of us have these, but anyway, four, five, six years old. That you walk in their life and they're like, no, I got this. I got this, mom. I can take care. Of it. Oh, really? What would we do? Well, a good parent would step back and say, let's see that happen then. How you getting to school? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't reach the stove. How you going to cook something for yourself? Oh, I got this. I'll take care of this. Until they really get hungry and then they cry. Why don't you feed me? You said you got this. I think sometimes God needs to treat us a little bit more like (laughs) we would treat our kids. But he's got far more mercy than that, you know. Doesn't he? But I'll tell you, lessons would be learned a lot quicker if they were more like we should be parenting today. And I say we should be because some of us just, we lack in that area too. That we not only Give them the authority that we have given them as far as you are my son, you are my child. You have everything, but you need me to give those things to you. You see, my children, the last two I have in the house, 16 years old, 12 years old, uh, I have to take them to school and pick them up from school. Now, do they ever get up and worry, how am I going to get to school today? No. They have all the resources that I have. They have all the authority as, as far as a Mauer child that I have as a Mauer. Do you understand that they don't have to worry about things because they have authority, my authority, my name. You know, they have backstage pass to my office. They have a backstage Passed to my life can, can you just think for a second That God is saying You are my child When you love and obey me You have all my authority Because ha- I've given it to you You have all my resources Why? Because I've given it to you But at any time We say you know what I got this He steps back and said Okay let's see that happen Right? So the only way you're going to be able to keep the strong man out of your life is staying connected with God. Not just making him savior and putting the golden ticket in your pocket. But making him leader, savior, and lord of your life. Because it's his name, his authority. But if we divorce ourselves from him, if we separate ourselves from him, now where's our authority? So you can stomp and spit and... You know, quote all the scripture you want. But if it's not attached to his authority, if you're not under his roof, if you're not in that obedience covering, the strong man will set up a fortress. Uh, the strong man can be given access to your house through the smallest Openings. You don't have to go and write up a contract with the devil in order to give authority to him in your life. And once the strong man has been given access, he will create a stronghold. And the only way to remove him and keep him out of your life is through the authority that has been given to all those who love and obey. Those two things stay together. Can't be one or the other. Love and obey Jesus as the Lord of their life. I got a picture when I started putting this message together a couple months ago. That um, that the Holy Spirit was showing me this picture of a house. And I knew it was a Christian house. And the window was cracked open like this much. And right in the middle of the living room floor, there was a tent set up like what was that? What was those big protests that went out and they was setting up tents everywhere? What were those called? Huh? Black Fridays? No, no. Can't think of them. Occupy. Occupy, that's right. That there, there was this big tent and it was grubby and it was junk and there was trash thrown around it. And all of a sudden, this, I'll just say person, stepped out of this tent and basically, you know, looked around. I'm good. This is mine. And I thought, what, what is this picture all about? And I heard the word of the Lord say, he's a squatter. He gained access through that little crack. That little, that window was open that much. He's gained access into their house and he has become a squatter. And now he has rights blew my mind the first time I realized that there was, and I don't know if it still is, sorry, I'm not up to date on the laws nowadays, but there was, was, I'll say it that way, a squatter's law, a squatter's right, where you could go to an individual's property, somebody else's property, if you could gain access to it, if you could set up some type of tent or whatever, and you could establish that you have been living there for such a period of time. You now had rights to their property. That's called squatters. What? I own that property. What do you mean a squatter? He trespassed and now he has rights? Because you allowed that little window to be open that much. Unguarded. You gave access And now the squatters come in and he has rights to be there. See, it wasn't a great big threw open the door, had a seance and, you know, called them all in. You just open one little window. He had no idea. And as a matter of fact, I can almost see that Christian of this house walking around and bumping into the squatter every once in a while. Like, oh, what was that? Oh, what was that? but oblivious to him being there. Kept kicking around the trash every once in a while and then wonder, oh, where'd that come from? Oh, what, what happened there? What happened there? You got a squatter in the middle of your living room. You wonder why it smells like trash? Mm. But they're oblivious to this strong man that set up camp in the middle of their house. All from that little window. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 12. In Matthew chapter 12, starting down at verse 22, We see that Jesus is doing his work that he's supposed to be doing. He's going, he's healing, preaching, teaching, setting people free. So here it is another time, verse 22. Then they brought a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were, were astonished and said, Could this be the Son of David? Well, wait. Why didn't they say, Could this be the Son of God? No, because their human mind is thinking humanly. He's a man. He came from a man. So how's he doing this? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, "Ah, oh, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Boy, that's a name you got to slow down to say. By whom do your people drive them out? So then... They will be your judges. But if you drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did it become the strong man's house? (laughs) That squatter has rights now. He was referred to as his house now. He's setting up in the middle of your house with his little tent and all of his garbage and saying, this is my house, my stuff. As a matter of fact, this verse says he stands at the door then and guards it. You can't come in. It's mine now. What? I pay the mortgage. I pay the bills here. This is my house. I've got the golden ticket to heaven. Yeah. Now I've got authority. You gave me the right to be here. It's now become the strong man's house. In Romans... The Greek word for sin is adakia, adakia, which is described as a personal power that enslaves and deceives. Sin, a personal power that enslaves and deceives. How did that strong man take ownership Of my house. How did that happen? Through sin. You're like, don't don't be pointing out that sin. I don't have to. Really. Trust me. Every day I ask, God search me. Put that searchlight on me. So the words I'm speaking today, please don't be offended that I put them together. I mean, this is the mouth that's uttering them, but please. All right. Now, do you have to, Does it have to be a big sin? No. Like I said earlier, you don't have to go and have a big séance and you know make a contract agreement with the devil for him to gain access. It can be small little things. Let me um, try to clarify. Is disobedience sin? Is obedience sin? No. Who complicates that equation? We do. Yeah, we do, don't we? I can kind of do what you want me to do. I don't have to do everything you want me to do. Is there another word? I think there's only two. Obedience and disobedience, right? I'm not a wordsmith. As a matter of fact, um, I failed English. I grew up in Maple Valley, Nashville, Michigan. And in my ninth grade, when you're supposed to take English and this requirement, uh, a quarter of the way into the English class, the teacher sent me to what used to be called um, special ed. And said she can't get it. Sent me into special ed class for English, and the special ed teacher said, you know, she don't need to be in here. So they sent me to a reading class where the teacher sat up there on the desk and read us a book. And then we talked about it. And I said, hey, I can do this. I never had to take any English classes. I even went to college. But, yeah, so I, I have to always bring things a little bit. And that's why, you know, like even last Sunday, I had to go to the dictionary and look up this word. What does this reproachable word mean? Thank the Lord for the Internet at times and phone, quick access to understanding. But I don't think there's any other word. It's either obedience or disobedience. And if you think you can be in disobedience and not be in sin, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you can think that you're being obedient and have sin in there. That don't work that way either. So there's only two. Anytime there becomes a gray area and there's confusion, we confuse it. God makes it very simple to us. So if we just look back at what I just said, that the strong man entered, he has access. He's now a squatter in your home. And his access is through even the smallest little crack can only come through, let me say disobedience, since we don't like the word sin. Anyway, through some type of disobedience. Because if you're living in full love and obedience to God, you are under that umbrella of protection. And he says, I'll not only be in front of you, I'll be behind you. I will be there. That his covering, his protection, but if like that child, that four, five, six-year-old says, I got this. I like this window opened a little bit. That's okay. I like the breeze that it brings in. Well, the breeze isn't the only thing it's going to bring in. That God will step back and say, okay, let's see what happens. Sin gives Satan authority. James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is what? Same thing, again, with your child. If you tell him, Jacob, go take out the trash. And Jacob doesn't take out the trash. Is he living in obedience? You forgot to take out the trash this morning, didn't you, buddy? It's okay, I can. If you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's not a, I get a pass on that one because, well, God just loves me more than he loves you. No. Everything that's written in this book is God's word to us. And if we take it back as a parent and a child, this is his instructions to us. And if we pick and choose like a buffet what we want to obey and what we don't want to obey, how would you handle that child of yours? Jacob, I told you to take out the trash. Why didn't you take out the trash this morning? I even warned you. I even left you a letter, reminded you, please take out the trash before you go. Now that you didn't take it out, there's going to be a punishment. Right? Okay, Jacob, it's time to spank your butt. Come here. No, I'm just kidding. Truly, just as example, truly. But sin gives Satan authority because we have removed ourselves from the obedient category and have become disobedient, moving us from his umbrella out from under his umbrella. Real simple things, people. Really it is. We confuse way too many simple truths of God. And that is, boy, that's the enemy. He wants to twist every little thing. If we know we are supposed to do something and we do not do it, it is sin, period. We give Satan authority in our lives through disobedience, our sin. Think about Adam and Eve, the first first conversation with the devil, right? What happened? He didn't make something up. He simply twisted the truth. Did God really say that? He who loves me will do as I command. Did God really say that? Do you really have to believe everything? Do you really have to obey every word? I mean, do I really have to forgive everyone, everything? Forgive as I have forgiven you. If you do not forgive those who sin against you, my Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. Did God really say that? Isn't that how we live, though? Simple black and white principles, simple truths. But it's when we move into that disobedience, that, hmm, did God really say that? That we take ourselves out of the protection of, Of God, and we empower that liar. We learned that on Thursday nights. That when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. I could my house could be in complete order. I could be living all out full on love for God. I'm obeying everything. When you say it, God, I'm quick. I do it. But then all of a sudden I hear a word and I'm like, hmm. God really mean that I have to do that. I crack open that window and I give them access. The Bible explains that sin is crouching at the door waiting to have you. Be careful, he says, because sin's crouching at your door, waiting for that opportunity to have you. And it doesn't have to come, again, at a big contract between you and the devil. But a simple, did God really say I have to do that? I pop open that window and he gains access. And that strong man now becomes a squatter in my house and builds a stronghold in my life. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. If Eve... Or Adam, I won't get into the big debate. You need to go through the life group. Is going through the life groups are going through a curriculum called the Bondage Breaker. You need to get into a life group where they're going through that. Or if you, you don't know one close to you, get with Pastor Neil. He'll get you the material. You have start your own life group right there. Yeah, whatever. You need to hear this message. But if Adam or Eve would have simply, in you know. Been near. For one thing, what were they doing so near the tree? The one thing out of the entire garden. Let me just encourage you this is completely off, well, not completely off subject. If you're constantly, constantly hanging around the one thing you know you should not be near, get away from it. What are you doing next to that thing? of the rest of your life is what God said, enjoy. Stay away from that 1%. That one thing that you know will allow Satan to gain access. Stay away from it. But if at any time that Adam or Eve been close to that tree and heard Satan say, Did God really say that? Boy, if she would have been a... 2016 woman of God. She had been, yeah, he said that. Right? Right? Adam, 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 tell him he said that. Right? Right? Let me just say more women need to stand up. And the men only. It only makes you stronger the stronger a woman gets. Under God's protective authority, let me just tell you that. Man, woman, we're there for each other to build each other up as a helpmate. And as long as we're under God's authority, strong women do not intimidate strong men. Mm-mm. So anyway, okay, that was a little off the subject. <laughs> Yeah, not the strong, that's right, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Let me challenge you, though, I wrote this, yeah, yeah. I wrote this down when we were in class this morning. God said, challenge individuals, talking about this whole garden um, event that happened. Stop your negative faith-sucking comments. Who do you stand beside when you make those negative faith-sucking comments? Exactly. Watch every word that comes out of your mouth, that it's faith-building and it's positive, encouraging to people. Now, I'm not saying that every once in a while you can't correct somebody. I think correction needs to be done for you to be able to grow up as a healthy disciple, healthy individual, right? If we were never corrected, well, (laughs) anyway, I'm talking about the comments that come out of your mouth. If they're negative, faith-sucking, just take that thought captive, put it back under your feet. Make it obedient to Christ, and don't let it come out of your mouth. Because it just poises you on that tree with Satan. Okay, that's a side note. Said it, God. You told me to. I said it. All right. Sticky notes alone. That did go, okay. I didn't want to land in here and be stuck in my hair. You'd be distracted. The strong man has been granted permission to stay because you believed a lie you empowered the liar an incorrect thinking pattern can mold itself into our way of thinking even without us realizing it these strongholds play a large role in our inability to gain spiritual freedom I've sat with people over these last two months because I wanted to make sure that this actually is happening and I've made simple statements to them and asked them, do you really believe that? Well, no. M- m- but you were just saying that. But you're living that. Did Jesus heal every sin? Did Je- I mean, heal every sickness or just some? Does Jesus have authority over Every evil spirit or just some? But a lot of Christians walk around today thinking that they're bearing some type of burden that is outside of God's provision or ability to heal. But when you talk to them, they're like, well, no, of course not No, No, I don't believe that. Incorrect thinking, let's just call it that, incorrect thinking can mold itself into our way of thinking without us even realizing it. Uh, Ephesians 4.20, let me just read it to you Out, out of the message version. It says Ephesians 4.20, but that's no life for you. Now he's talking to Christians right here. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. And then it goes on into verse 27 and says, don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. What kind of foothold is he talking? There's another way of access. I explained this over and over again. We were just talking about it again, I think, on last Thursday. That when you give your heart, your life, to the Lord, Jesus, I make you the Savior and the Lord of my life. Forgive me for everything I've ever done before. My selfish lifestyle, everything. It is as if he pours his blood figuratively over you and draws a line in your history. In your life that separates the old life from now the new life. And he pats us on our little bottom and says, now go this way. Right? Because there's a bloodline in our life. And when anything from the past tries to get across that line, they can't. Because it's been marked by the blood of Jesus. But what happens is that too often we're walking this way and we're like, oh, I kind of like them things over there. You know, if I just do them once in a while, I'm okay. So then we come back to this bloodline, we stomp over the bloodline, pick up something and say, well, if I just do this a little bit one day a week, it's okay. And then we come back over the blood and try to walk that thing into our new life. And then we're like, well, hey. No huge consequences. I wasn't struck down by lightning. I think I'll go back. I kind of like this thing over here too. And we go back. And Hebrews explains that that's a trampoline underfoot of the very blood of Jesus. When we go back and forth and back and forth. Because we keep trying to grab stuff from our old life and bring it into our new life. And that's what the scripture's saying. There is no excuse for your ignorance. You know better. And if you didn't know before, now you know. Now we know. There is a definite bloodline. And if you can say, you know, if you say at the end of this message, Crap! I've done that! Then get on your face before God. And say, that's it, right now. Bloodline right here, God. Bloodline right here. And I promise not even to get close to that one thing any longer. Way away from it. Stay under your protection. But he said, that's how you give the devil a foothold in your life. When you constantly keep trying to drag things from your old life into your new life. He said, you need to get rid of it. It's rotten through and through. Stay away from it. The staff and myself have been fasting and praying for these two weeks. Because we need, we need to be a people who are living free, completely in the authority and the resources that Jesus Christ died for us to have. Otherwise, what are we doing What are we really doing? I mean, let me just tell you, I I have many kids and I love them all. And if any one of them were to sacrifice their blood for you and you snub your nose at that sacrifice, you and I have got a problem. And I'm just human. And I can tell you not one of my kids are holy without sin. But if they sacrificed even a portion of their blood for you and you snub your nose at that sacrifice, there's a problem. And there will be a price for that. We've been fasting and praying that we are fully committed to be in a church that's wholly living for God. Both W-H-O-L-L-Y, if I spelled that right, and H-O-L-Y. Fully and wholly living for God, for his glory. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for passionate people to throw down anything that would entangle them and say, I'm running after God for his glory, for all it's worth. So what we want to do is, first, I want to um, read this paragraph right here. Continue to pray next week. God, Okay. We will continue to pray over the next week that God shines His light on areas in your life and on ours that we've given the strong man permission in our life. So over these, um, over this next week, I want to, I'm gonna wrap up this message. That just means get out your Bible now and a pen and a piece of paper. Um, I want to challenge you to prepare for next week. Next week when we come together, I'm going to explain the authority that has been given to us. So we're going to talk about removing the strong man, and we're going to talk about rebuilding after the strong man's gone. Because we can remove him, but if you haven't rebuilt your house, if you haven't shut the window and locked it, he's going to come back in again. So we got to talk about rebuilding after the strong man leaves too. But I need you to do 3 things to prepare for next week. 3 things. Number 1, I need you to prepare your faith for battle. Prepare your faith for battle. Romans 10:17 says faith comes from hearing the message, hearing the word. And the word, the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith come up by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. Your faith is going to be built up the more of the word you get into it. It pushes those lies aside. See, if you read God said you must, and your mind says, did he really say that? Yahoo, hello, it's right here. Yeah, right? But if you're not reading this, I don't know. Did he really say that? I don't know about your mind, but I'm starting to get a little older. Let's just say it that way. And my mind isn't as trustworthy as it used to be. Stop laughing, Aaron. It sometimes fails me. Let's just say it that way. I'm still praying for complete healing. But if I'm reading the word... And I come across something and I'm like, wow, I had that one wrong. I really believed it was. But there it is written out here, plain as day. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, reading the word of God. I need you to prepare your faith for next week. Read the word. Meditate on the word. Memorize the word. The word of God is the written description of your inheritance. If you don't read it, you won't know what belongs to you. Until a lawyer comes in with a written part of the law that says, this is how you can get the squatter out of your life. You're standing there going, oh, I got a squatter, I got a squatter. Ah." He won't let me in my house. And then let's just call him the judge, not the lawyer. The judge walks over and says, here's the written word that says you have authority right there. He has to go. Oh. Well, hello. But if you don't know. Mm. In Matthew 17... I'll just summarize. This man was brought to the disciples, said, heal my son, and he's got demons. And the disciples tried. Didn't work. Man took son to Jesus and said, I took my boy to your disciples. They couldn't do anything for him. And Jesus' comment back to them, you unbelieving, perverse generation. There's a faith-building message for the church today. Jesus replied, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy. He was healed at that moment. The disciples came to Jesus in private. Of course they did. Why couldn't we drive out the demon? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Lou Engels suggests that the strong man in Matthew 17 was not the demon that they were facing, but the root of unbelief within them, the disciples. Keeping them from the authority and the resources that's already theirs. Faith plus action equals powerful results. Faith plus action equals powerful results. Faith is a foundation. Action is the step. Second thing I need you to do is prepare your mind for battle. Prepare your faith for the battle. Prepare your mind for the battle. 2 Corinthians ten four through 5 says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me encourage you to take your word apart. (laughs) When you're reading the Bible, take those words apart. So you're grasping more understanding when you slow down. It's not about getting so many chapters read a day. It's what did you read today? To be able to understand what you're reading. In that scripture alone. Two verses. The weapons we fight with. Our weapons we fight with. Are not weapons of the world. So it's not the ones you can see. On the contrary. They have divine power. What has divine power? The weapons we use has divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Where do arguments and pretensions come from? Right here. That's right. Did God really say that? Right there. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is knowledge? Knowledge is the written Truth that we learn knowledge is a written word that we learn I, I use the example a lot because we hear wisdom and knowledge used almost synonymously, and they're not um, I can learn through knowledge how to use a gun That's setting through a class listening to an instructor tearing apart the gun picking up the gun shooting the gun That's knowledge, learning how to use the gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use the gun. This word says that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's right here. So the stronghold, sorry, the weapons we use demolish strongholds. Any thought that's contrary to this. And they're powerful. They're powerful to demolish those strongholds. And take them captive every thought. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. We're not a helpless victim of our thoughts. Well, I don't know why I was thinking that. Because you thought it. Stop thinking it. Take every thought, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to the knowledge that we learn in here. Make it obedient to Christ. We have to retrain our minds. Uh, there's this couple, Steve and Wendy Buckland. They come at, I think they come out of Bethel. I don't know. Uh, but they have this powerful ministry. They go around and do this simple, um, let's talk about what you're thinking about. Because sometimes what we think and what we say are two different things. Or what we think and what we live are two different things. What God said, then why are you... Because we've got something wrong up here. We're thinking something wrong. And they start out most of their conferences by exposing these, and then they even laugh at them. They, I mean, this guy has a crazy, weird, psycho almost laugh. But he'll throw these things out there like... Um, I fasted, again, an example. I fasted this last week, but on Tuesday I ate a marshmallow and now God hates me. (laughs) We laugh at that, but haven't you felt like that? Oh, come on. We've been in a fast and we're like, oh, like I'm baking the cookies, just a little taste. Now I say, oh, it's ruined. God hates me. Why did I do that? Horrible. Right? I'm a worm. It's awful. I've listed some of these things as I was preparing this message that we think. But when we finally speak them, and that's what I want to encourage you, if you start thinking something and you're like, I don't know, did God really say that? Say it out loud. Because the minute your ears hear it, faith comes by hearing. It will go, wait a minute. That does not line up with the word of God. We can play Forever in our minds. And all of a sudden, our cart, our shopping cart, starts leaning to one side and we don't know what's going on. Why don't you tell me what you've been thinking on lately? Oh, hmm. Some of those things. I can do what I want as long as I want because I'm saved. What? There, there's a difference between obedience and disobedience, and there is a nice area in between. Hmm. There is a, gonna be a, there's going to be a grand scale in heaven's courts that I'll get to put all my bad things on and all my good things on. And as long as the good outweighs the bad, I'll be okay. I can't control what I say or do. That's just my personality. I can do almost anything through Christ. Christ. My sickness is my burden to bear. I was talking this over with my parents at lunch yesterday. It's my thorn in the flesh. Now, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. Paul was given a thorn in his flesh for what reason? Because of his divine revelations he saw. Have you seen those divine revelations? So much so that God might have to Take you down a couple notches. I don't know about you, but I'm just not there. You can't just call something your thorn in the flesh because you want to make an excuse for why you want to hang on to it. God does not expect me to give up things I enjoy. I can do them as long as I don't hurt others. Reading my horoscope or a fortune cookie is just fun. The things I do is just for fun. And God does not expect us to forgive everyone for everything. Those are all messages in themselves. But remember, believing a lie empowers the liar. The minute you believe a lie, you empower the liar, and you crack open that window, and he gains access. So what I want to do is I'm, here's my second close. Dave, I still got before 2 o'clock, right? I started, uh, gosh, I don't want to say that. Anyway, um, we should all be living a fasted lifestyle. Let me say it that way. So that, whatever. I don't want to put a burden on you and tell you how you should or when you should fast but you all should be. I mean, there are definites God set. You will pray. You will fast. When you pray. When you fast. So it's not, the well, that's for some people. Again, speak that out. That doesn't even make sense. When I started going through this, um, God directed me to Isaiah 58, and I'm like, come on, Lord, I read that one. I know that one all the time. I read that one. Whenever you start a fast, where, where do you go? Isaiah 58, because it's the the scripture on true fasting, right? And we start, oh, man, there's some good promises in here, and we start grabbing these promises. I've even seen people quote these promises apart from fasting and think that they can claim them. Do you realize every promise of God is attached to a if? If you'll be obedient, <laughs> I'll do this. If you're disobedient, I'm going to do this. Right? Well, when he directed me to Isaiah 58, I pulled out, I know, this one's heavy. This is why I usually don't carry this. But this is my, when I'm studying Bible, because it's called, ooh, uh, full life study Bible. Anyway started reading it and God has really been shaking me to the core about slowing down and reading every word because if we don't it breeds familiarity and I hate that word I can't say that word, kind of like aluminum familiarity and did you know that there is a familiar spirit we breed familiarity by things that we take for granted Mm, yeah Oh, I've read that. Hmm. when we slow down and we take apart, I don't want to I don't I'm not doing that in an evil way. I'm not taking apart the word of God, I'm talking about looking at every word of God, a little bit more importantly. We'll see more and more. So I want you to turn to isaiah fifty eight and I want to show you because what I'm asking you to do is number one, I want you to prepare your faith for a battle. I want you to prepare your mind for battle. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to the knowledge of God. And I want you to prepare your flesh for battle over this next week. So when we come back next Sunday, we will know our authority because we're going to teach on our authority and we're going to stand on our authority and strongholds will be broke. And they can happen today too. Don't think that, oh, I get to go keep my stronghold for another. No, they can be broken today. But I want you to prepare your flesh for battle. I want us to look at this quickly. Starting at verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. That's what I've been doing for the last, oh dear Lord, 53 minutes. Anyway, shake that off. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. Boy, those words kind of like, oh. I don't like sin and rebellion and disobedience. I hate those words. Yeah, we do. Declare to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forgotten the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. They ask me, sorry, they say, we have fasted. And you have not seen it. Why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed, God? Yet on the day of your fasting, God says, you do as you please. And exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. And in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for you to humble yourself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? I'm asking you to prepare your flesh this next week. And then hopefully this will spur on a lifestyle of fasting for you in the right way. Not this, oh God, I'm sore, and everybody knows, and you know, you're fighting with your family because you want to eat what they're eating, but you know you're fasting. And so then you let them know, remember, I'm fasting, I can't have that. Oh, hell. You wonder why God's not hearing on high. And here it is. He said, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. How many people have heard that scripture before? Are you guys afraid to raise your hand? Or did you forget to put deodorant on? It's okay, mine stinks. Nobody's up here. I've read that over and over and over and over and over again. I even, I I, I claim that without even fasting. Let me, I'll be honest. Here, I'll hide behind here because I am confessing a deep sin. I have. I'm breaking every chain today, but when's the last time you fasted? Oh, I don't know. This is a kind of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice. Let me look at that a second. God showed me something I want to share with you for some reason. Oh, there, my whole message just disappeared. Okay. To loose the chains of injustice. The definition of injustice means a situation in which the rights of a person or a group Of people are ignored. Injustice means your rights. Have been ignored. So the chains he's talking about. Is holding you back from your rights. That you already have. He says we need to loose the chains. Of injustice. There's chains the enemy has put around you that pull you away from your rights to make you unaware of your rights that you have. To untie the cords of the yoke. Put that, that, this one stumped me for the longest time. I started doing some research online. Oh, look at that. Isn't that nice? i in this wrong. Can you put that slide up, a picture of a yoke? There's a yoke in the Old Testament days. See those cords? I didn't even realize those were there before. I've seen pictures of yokes, but I've never seen that before. Those cords hold what? That pull is whatever they're dragging behind them. He says, untie the cords of the yoke. Those are the only cords on that yoke. That carry, that hold, that sin that you're dragging behind you. That unforgiveness you're dragging behind you. That offense that you're dragging behind you. That sin, something from your old life that you're dragging up behind you. He says, untie those cords of that yoke. Thank you. Three, set free the oppressed. The definition of oppressed is to be burdened with unjust restraints. Unjust restraints. That's going back up to that first one. Injustice. What was injustice? That your rights are being ignored. He said set the oppressed free. The definition to be burdened with unjust restraints. You need to first loose the chains of injustice. Then you can be set free. From being oppressed by, I don't know, I can't do this, I can't do that. And oh God, I wish you would come do this. And he said, I've already given you authority to do that. Stop praying that I would do that. I've told you to do that. Set free the oppressed and for break every yoke, just like the chains of injustice first needed to be loosed before they could be set free. We must first untie the cords of the yoke, that thing that we keep dragging around. Now we can break that yoke. First got to let go of whatever we keep dragging behind us. Then that yoke can come off and be broke, smashed. But see, we constantly walk around, oh God, break my chains, break my chains. You have the right to do that. You have the authority to do that. Loose it. Let go of it. Then break it. But let me hear. Let me do this. For time's sake. Oh, Lord, time's sake. See what happens when you don't let me preach every so often. I mean, anyway, it's all your fault. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it, it goes on with two ifs. If you would do these two things. Then is mentioned four times. Then God says, this will happen, this will happen, then, then, then. And then he lists 17 wills. God will. There's the promises. But they first come with two ifs. Two ifs. They're mentioned right here in verse 9, end of verse 9. If you do away with the yoke of oppression. What? If we do away with the yoke of oppression. Who besides the enemy can put the yoke of oppression on a person? It's somebody else. We can with each other. We can. How? Right here. With the pointing finger and the malicious talk. Ooh. Ooh. We oppress our own flesh and blood by our pointing finger and our malicious talk. We put that yoke of oppression on them, on ourselves, by the pointing finger and the malicious talk. In verse 10, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. The first part, spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. Spiritually hungry and physically hungry. Feed them. Feed them. The last part of that, we are to satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Instead of pointing the finger and the malicious talk because people aren't doing the things the way you want them done or did something wrong, satisfy that need. Just go do it. Serve them. If you walk in on Sunday morning and... Whatever. I I don't want to make any examples. Let me forget all that. I don't want to put any thoughts in your mind. You need to fix it. Serve them. That satisfies that need. And there's no more pointing finger. No more malicious talk. Because you're taking care of it. Right? If you get distracted every Sunday. So here I am. I'm going to go into an excuse. You get distracted every Sunday because you come in and this person is constantly... Snacking on something and crinkling something and instead of pointing finger, I wish you'd stop snacking and go like that. Would you walk over and say, are you hungry? Can I take you to breakfast next week before service? Yeah, you know, we don't have any food in the house and this was all I could find And on my way out the door. Stop the pointing finger in the malicious talk. And if you satisfy, satisfy. The needs of the hungry. Do away with the pointing finger. The yoke of oppression. Satisfy. 17 God wills. And I challenge you this week to read them. You can stand on God's promises if you do these two things. And I'm asking you to prepare your flesh for next week. So here it is. got to stop that countdown. It's driving me nuts. You can choose hide or heal. Hide or heal. You choose it. You can choose to hide the fact that you have a squatter in the middle of your house that's taken uh, ownership of your stuff and you keep bumping up against his trash in your life, but I'll deal with it. Or you can get ask God to heal him. Mm, I don't have time to go through that one, but in Luke 21, 34, Jesus warns us to be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. That word dissipation means the squandering of money, energy, and resources. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close upon you unexpectedly like a trap. You see, sometimes the enemy lets us get very comfortable with him sitting in the middle of our house. And as long as we're comfortable, we think everything's okay. And I saw this I, um, this movie, God's Not Dead. And this part, this scene leaped out at me. I want to share with you as I close. They're closing. Share that, please. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I mean, it's not like you even know who I am. Person I know I am the meanest You have dementia My life is Perfect Explain that to me Sometimes the devil Allows people to live a life Free of trouble Because he doesn't Want them turning to God sin is like a jail cell except it's all nice and comfy and there doesn't seem to be any need to leave. The door is wide open till one day time runs out. The cell door slams shut and suddenly too late. <laughs> Who did you say what? Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with squandering of your resources, with drunkenness and anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you, unexpectedly, like a trap. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I told you I was going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. Whether you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, your Lord, or whether you have and you've been thinking you were living the, the absolute Christian life, but when I started talking about crossing over that bloodline and bringing things from your old life into your new life, you, you realized, uh, uh, uh-oh, what have I been doing? Moment. And I don't want that day to catch you unaware And I wish that Satan wasn't so crafty and would come in like a a loud, ugly individual screaming his arrival and scare hell out of you. But he doesn't. He slips in like an angel of the light and just whispers those little words, is that what God really said? And then gains access. well today I want it to be your day to stand up in boldness and humility and confess God I surrender all right now to you everything God I need the blood of Jesus to cover me inside and out and create in my life that bloodline And propels me into a new life with you. Not only as my Savior, Jesus, but as the Lord of my life. I give you complete authority of my life. And I will follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength from this day forward. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. And I want to pray for you. You see your hand. I see your hands, I see your hands. God, I'm sorry I've been crossing that line over and over again. But today I stand boldly and say, I see your hands. I see your hands. This is such a God moment. Don't be distracted and don't let the enemy whisper in your ear, Did God really say that? Today's your day. So what I want you to do is every one of you that raised your hands, stand up right where you're at. Stand up. Stand up. If you'll stand for him where you're at, he'll stand with you wherever you go. Stand up. Stand up. And if somebody's standing beside you, gather around them, put your hands on them, and begin praying for them. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Right now. Blood of Jesus. Can I get you prayer workers, altar workers, prayer team? Get around these individuals. Begin praying right now.